the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, I want to start a new series for the radio program. I'm doing this on Sunday nights also, although um, I'm only preaching Sunday nights like two or three times a month now with uh, Theo Jones is on the ministry staff here at North Valley. And uh, so I'll be ahead of the game uh, on the radio, but they'll be waiting for Sunday nights. But the reason why I want to do this, (coughs) excuse me, is because uh, as we've talked about in the past, there is a leadership issue in the church. That is, we don't have elders, uh, very many elders in, in congregations throughout uh, the country. And uh, there are some who have elders that are not really elders, but they're more of a board of directors, or perhaps they've become arrogant. I don't know. But I do know from the many ministers I've talked to that they either don't have elders or they are struggling with their elders. And Titus opens up dealing with that as well as other things within the church. This is a great little book and I think you will enjoy the study. I know I enjoy it and I think it's good for me. It's good. It will be good for you and hopefully it will be helpful for you. And if you're an elder, hopefully it will be helpful for you or if you're a minister, a teacher, this will also be helpful. So, <clears throat> here in the New Testament, we have Titus, almost an unknown fella. How much do you know about young Titus? Oh, I, sh- I shouldn't say young, about uh, good old Titus. Now, Paul calls him my partner and fellow worker over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But there's no mention of him in the book of Acts in connection with Paul's work. And we'll get more into that later. He's a pretty enigmatic figure in church history. And this letter that's written to him, eh, you could say it's kind of relatively unknown. It's stuck between 2 Timothy and Philemon. It's a short little book. It kind of gets lost, I think, at times. But we're going to take a closer look at that today. And I want to begin with who is Titus. Titus chapter 1 verse 4, Paul says or writes to Titus, my true child in a common faith. Now the information about him is limited, but the little we do have is rather impressive. We know that Titus was a Greek from Galatians chapter 2 verse 3, but we are not sure what his name means. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who try to figure that out. They say, oh, he's one of the Greek gods, or it means giant, or it's uh, in honor of the emperor, uh, uh, 
or whatever it might be, and he wasn't an emperor at the time, but General Titus. But uh, I don't, we don't know. His name was Titus, and Paul calls him his true child. That, that just suggests, true child of the common faith, that just suggests that he had taught and baptized Titus. Uh, the first time we read about him, he had been at Antioch. Maybe that's where Paul met him. Maybe that's where he was baptized. Of course, it could have been, could have been at any city that Paul visited. We just don't know. At some point, Titus became a traveling companion to Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 12. All those raises the question, why didn't Luke mention him in the book of Acts? I mean, uh, we know that, as we'll see here in a little bit in our lesson, we know that Titus was at the Jerusalem conference. And that was a huge deal. That's where... Paul was talking with the elders and uh, other leading men, the apostles, about circumcision in that the Gentiles were not required to do it. This was huge. And he brought Titus as Exhibit A. And we'll talk about that. So why didn't Luke mention that? Why didn't Luke mention that? It seems like Titus was around quite a bit, and, and we don't know. Now, there's some that speculate, oh, that Titus was uh, Luke's brother and uh, out of humility, he didn't mention it. We don't know that. that. I feel sometimes I like to speculate or have some supposition, but on this, we don't know. And that's a pretty far stretch. There's no evidence for that whatsoever. So it's interesting, though, that he's not mentioned in the book of Acts. And so when discussing Titus, obviously a comparison with Timothy, that's inevitable. Uh, both were probably converted by Paul. Uh, but Titus may have been a bit older, I think. Uh, where we see in 1 Timothy 4.12 that Timothy's called, don't let anyone look upon your youth, you know, down, look down at you on your youth. Uh, we don't see that with Titus, although he's told to be an example to the younger men. Uh, he does not seem to have any health problems suffered by Titus. And one preacher had characterized them as timid Timothy and tough Titus. Tough Titus. And that is true. He was tough. Sometimes he's called Paul's troubleshooter. So, regarding his role in the Bible, a few times, the few times that Titus is mentioned, it is always intention-filled situations. We read about the first situation in Galatians chapter 2. Judaizing teachers from Jerusalem were proclaiming that it was necessary to circumcise Gentiles and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. We see this also in Acts 15, verse 5. That's the Jerusalem conference we were just mentioning. Now, this, of course, was a crucial moment in church history. If this error was not dealt with, the church could end up split. And I think this was Satan's plan. He was going to have, he was wanting to make a Church of the Gentiles at Antioch and a church of the Jews at Jerusalem and split the church and constantly have problems and issues. Well, Paul saw that. He headed that one off by uh, dealing with this here as well as gathering uh, some funds for the Jewish famine from the Gentile congregations to bring the two together. But he needed to deal with this. So he headed to Jerusalem, this circumcision problem. And he brought along with him Titus as Exhibit A, of a Gentile Christian who did not need circumcision or any other Jewish right to be a valued member of God's church. We can only imagine 
how Titus was scrutinized by those insisting that law observation was essential to being a true child of God. The pressure of Judaizers must have been overwhelming. Paul, however, was able to report in Galatians 2, 5, we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour. And also in Galatians 2, Titus was not compelled to be circumcised. Notice the, the, the wording there, not compelled. That means they were trying to compel him. We didn't yield in subjection. It didn't just end it there. We didn't yield in subjection to them, but also added on for even an hour. That suggests to me that it was ongoing. This debate and this argument went on and on. And I could just see these Jews just ripping into them. Uh, they were uh, they were spying out the freedoms that they had. Many of them were false teachers. They were trying to... Uh, Pull, pull the uh, the church back into the law of Moses. And they were fighting against that. And Titus was there. And could you imagine being asked to do this? Titus, I want you to go with me to Jerusalem as an exhibit of someone who does not need to be circumcised. Well, who all is going to be there? Well, we're going to have Peter, you know, the, uh, one of the elders, an apostle, and many, many other apostles and leaders of the church. Well, that doesn't sound so bad, Paul. Well, we're also going to have the Pharisees there and those who think you should be circumcised. Wait wait a minute, Paul. Are we talking about the same kinds of groups that stoned you? (laughs) That uh, uh, are are very uh, pressure, that put a lot of pressure on us? Well, yeah. Well, I'll do it, Paul, for the sake of the church. And on he went. How difficult that must have been. Another tension-filled environment, which required strong leadership, was old Corinth, where congregational crisis was there, was at a peak. And who did Paul trust to deal with that that delicate task of, of finding out how the Corinthian situation was going? It was Titus. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. He urged Titus to go to them. He urged them. And he had to urge him probably because he knew the difficulties that were going there. This Our Second Corinthians, I can't remember, is it the third letter or the fourth letter that he wrote to him? But two letters had already been written before he wrote Second Corinthians, dealing with problems. Titus knew the difficulties that were happening there. And so Paul urged him, go to Corinth, find out how they received that last letter I wrote to him. It was a tough letter. Uh, the Second Corinthian letter, which is... Uh, not one that we have, actually. We only have the, our first Corinthian letter, then the, another one was written, and then the second Corinthian letter. Uh, and I, anyway, that's a whole other study. But anyway, it was difficulty as he sent Titus. And so Paul was so concerned that as he waited for Titus to return, he found it hard to concentrate on his preaching and teaching. We see that in 2 Corinthians two twelve and 13, where he, uh, I think it was at Troas, and a door was opened up to him to preach. Now think about this. This is what Paul lives for. So he had this opportunity to preach and spread the gospel, and he had to take his leave of them. He, had, he couldn't stick around and continue to preach and teach them because he was so worried about Corinth and Titus. So he, he wanted to move on to Macedonia. He didn't know what, what happened. Did they kill Titus? Did they stone him and leave him for dead? Did everything go well 
We haven't heard from Titus. Where's Titus? So that tells you Paul knew it was going to be a difficult task. Titus knew, and yet he did it. Paul's troubleshooter. And Paul's confidence in him had been justified. We see that in chapter 7. Some people make bad matters worse. Few, like Titus, are able to make them better. William Barclay characterized Titus as the kind of co-worker who will go out with you in any kind of weather. Paul valued this evangelist highly, and he called him his true child in the common faith, Titus 1.4. Called him his brother in the family of God, 2 Corinthians 2.13. And his partner and fellow worker in the Lord, 2 Corinthians 8.23. He is mentioned one more time in the New Testament, at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, we read that he was in Dalmatia, no doubt, sent there by Paul on another tough mission. Paul likely gave Titus another difficult, uh, other difficult assignments, but none would have been more challenging than the one which he faced on the island of Crete. According to ancient tradition, he had returned to Crete in his old age and was buried there at the age of 94. So let's look a little bit at the island of Crete, as mentioned there in chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul says, I left you in Crete. Now that is an island. It's about 156 miles long from east to west, and 8 to 35 miles wide north to south. It's located in the Mediterranean Sea, south of Greece and Turkey, present-day Turkey. And one of the few references to Crete in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 27. That's where Paul's on his journey to Rome. You know, he's been arrested. He's heading up there. His ship has sought protection of the island and spent some time anchored in the harbor of Fair Havens, Acts 27, verses 7 and 8. And since Paul had been allowed to go ashore at Sidon to visit friends, it seems uh, quite plausible, plausible that he would have gone uh, on shore at Fair Havens as well. And it may have been at this time when he met Christians on the island of Crete. It may also have been the beginning of Paul's interest in the church there on Crete, prompting his later visit there. Historically, because of Crete's strategic position in the Mediterranean Sea, it had periods of great prosperity, but by the New Testament times, the people of Crete were living in what has been called the cultural graveyard of a once proud and thriving civilization. The inhabitants of the island had garnered a uh, reputation that nobody really would want to have. Uh, we know, you know, like for example, in Corinth, uh, there they were so immoral to say to Corinth thighs somebody was to live a immoral life well they had a saying for the Cretans to speak like a Cretan means to tell lies and to deceive and one of their own poets had written Cretans are always liars evil beasts and lazy gluttons and apparently this description was still applicable to many residents of the island because Paul mentioned that in chapter 1 verse 12 and again, imagine Paul talking with Titus about this. Uh, Titus, I got another mission for you. Oh, yeah? Yes, I, w I want you to go and minister to some 
some Christians. They're all scattered throughout this island. Ooh, an island out in the Mediterranean? Well, it sounds nice, Paul. Yeah, it's going to be the island of Crete. Well, well what can you tell me about that? Well, there's Christians there. And uh, the Cretans are known to be liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. But Titus, I know you can do it. And he did. He did. Tough Titus. Man, we might classify Crete as rocky soil, right, from Luke 8. But the seed of the word had been planted there. Congregations were located all across the breadth of the island. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. And we're not sure exactly when they received the gospel, but we know the Cretans were there the day of Pentecost when Peter preached. They could have been uh, uh, came home and brought that with them then, or after the Christians were pushed out of Jerusalem in Acts 8, and they began preaching, perhaps it was at that moment. However it happened, congregations of the Lord's church existed on the island. Most of these were probably small. All were struggling. And somehow Paul learned of the spiritual needs of that island. And when he was released from house arrests, this was one of the places he visited, and probably when he left Titus on the island to finish the work he had started. Under the general heading of where, we might ask where Paul might have been when he wrote Titus. We don't know. Some think he wrote uh, this letter while he was still in prison. Some think he wrote it uh, after he got out of prison. Uh, we were not sure. It's hard to pinpoint this one in particular, but I'm assuming that he wrote it about the same time he wrote 1 Timothy, sometime between 60 and 65 A.D. Now let's look at the why and the what. Why did Paul write to Titus? And what is the content of the letter? Well, Paul told Titus in chapter 1, verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. The appointment of elders is the subject of chapter 1, while chapters 2 and 3 are concerned with other matters that needed to be set in order. Paul probably also wrote to encourage Titus regarding the daunting task that he faced and to back him up by giving him an authoritative apostolic letter. And since Titus is a kind of a personal letter, it's, there's, they, they, there's people that say it's minimal internal organization, but I feel like it's well organized, especially by chapter. We can see the breaks. But I would uh, go with this. Chapter 1 focuses on what was lacking in the church. Chapter 2 addresses what was lacking in the home. And chapter 3 relates to what was lacking in society. But here's the outline we're going to follow. I'm taking this outline from uh, Roper, Coy Roper, who wrote uh, Truth For Today commentary. And here's he's got this. He's got greeting at chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. There's the greeting. And then chapter 1, uh, verse 5, begins point 1. Putting things in order by appointing strong leadership. And in verses 5 through 9, men who are strong Christian husbands and fathers should be selected as elders. Verses 10 to 16, as well as chapter 3, 9 through 11, men who are able to deal with false teachers should be selected as elders. 
Point number two opens up chapter two. Putting things in order by emphasizing sound doctrine or healthy doctrine. Point one under that heading, sound doctrine is commanded. Number B, sound doctrine applies to all ages and servants. And C, sound doctrine is explained there in chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Then point three would be chapter three, putting things in order by encouraging good deeds. And he gives the need for good deeds as citizens, as evangelists, and the motive for good deeds and God's love. Now, Coy Roper has closing remarks for verses 12 to 15, but also in there, Paul gives them an opportunity to perform good deeds by sending uh, Apollos and Zenos the lawyer to them. And here's an opportunity for you to do good deeds. In fact, let me uh, go over there and read this passage for you. Uh, after he starts to close things out, he says, When I send Artemis or Tithicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, so that nothing is lacking for them. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, so that they will not be unfruitful. Boom, there it is, all right? So that's what Paul wants them to do, to learn these things. Great letter. Uh, One of the differences between 1 Timothy and Titus is that personal notes also are included at the end of Titus, but they're lacking in Paul's first letter to Timothy. In these personal notes, we discover another reason for the letter, to keep Titus informed about Paul's plan. Paul wanted to make sure he could get Titus up there where he's going, there in verses 12 and 13. And in regard to the the book's content, we might add that Titus contains two of the great doctrinal passages of the New Testament. Chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Right? Good stuff. Also chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Awesome. Good stuff. 
the primary fact we need to realize about the letter to Titus is that it is intensely practical. Paul wanted Christians to understand that sound, healthy doctrine must be expressed in sound, healthy living. He admonished Titus to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. Are we doing that? Boy, I tell you what, I hope this opens up your eyes to Titus. What, a, what an amazing individual. If there was anyone in the Bible who had a spirit like Paul, it was Titus. No wonder he wanted Titus to meet him and to be with him and to continue to work with him and send him to do difficult tasks. I got another one for you, Titus. Come on. And he always did it, didn't he? One after another after another. He was a hard worker. Love it. Like Titus. Good man. Following after the footsteps of Paul. Following after the footsteps of Christ. Seeking always to do good deeds for the benefit of the kingdom. What a blessing. Well, we're going to close things out with that. I do have a couple of announcements I would like to give you this afternoon again. I want to encourage you to take a look at CopperBasinBibleCamp.org. CopperBasinBibleCamp.org. Register your kids for camp. Get on there. Don't wait. Don't forget. Set a note. It is only... per kid for a whole week from Sunday afternoon to Friday afternoon. We take from fourth grade all the way up to high school, whatever grade they're going into next year. And if they're a senior this year in high school, they can still go. Don't worry about it. You can do it. And if you've never had your kid at camp and they're uh, uh, they're not in fourth grade or going into fourth grade, we have cup camp. That lasts from Wednesday afternoon to Friday afternoon. And we require you know, a, a parent or a guardian to be up there. You don't have to be doing anything. You can go to Prescott and enjoy it there. Just be around so in case something goes wrong or they, they have a meltdown because they're not, they miss mommy or daddy. That's what the purpose of Cup Camp's for is to get them used to being at camp. It's great. I took, I've been taking my kids to it. It helps tremendously. I'm taking my, my next two. I still have one more to go, but she's not ready, not quite old enough. I'm putting two in cub camp and one in fourth to sixth grade. It's a great camp. It is so wonderful. It starts this June. Get ready. Get on the website, copperbasinbiblecamp.org. Make the most of the opportunities. Make the most of the time. Read and study Titus. Find good men to be elders of the church. We need good leadership at this time and in this age. May the Lord watch over us and bless us always. Thank you and take care. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.